Can you hear me now? All right. Guys, it has been a morning. Oh, my goodness. So everyone, you know, we had that windstorm that went through this weekend. It, it wiped, I'm not smart enough to know what exactly it wiped out. It just broke some technical stuff, okay? It broke some technical stuff. We lost internet. We can't stream the service today. Um, we lost lights. We lost ProPresenter. And I just want all of us to, like, celebrate Hayden and Jeff and the team. Can we just celebrate them? They have... They have duct taped our baptismal service together this morning, and I am so grateful for them uh, making all this happen. We are still recording this service, so we'll be able to post it later. Listen, we're doing something really awesome this morning. Eight different people are taking a step of obedience today and getting baptized, okay? That's, that, that's something worth celebrating. In fact, it was... It's so many people that we are pressing pause on our um, Mark series, and I'm just going to briefly talk about baptism for a few minutes here, and then we're going to jump into it. Does it sound good? Does that sound good, everyone? All right, so listen, um, I know that there are many of you here today who have placed your faith in Jesus, you've surrendered your life to him, and you've gotten baptized. I also know this. I know that there are some of you here today um, who, uh, when asked the question, what is baptism all about, you wouldn't know where to begin. You, you wouldn't know how to answer the question. Maybe you've been baptized, and if someone was like, why, why do you guys dunk people in water like this, and they come out? Like, what's the purpose of all of that? And you, you wouldn't know how to answer that question, and, and that's totally fine. Listen, no one's expecting you to be like a theologian or a pastor or anything like that. But listen, I also know, I also know there are some here today, you've placed your faith in Jesus, and you've surrendered your life to him, but you've not yet been baptized. And I want to talk to, to the both of you today. I want to talk to those of you who are not quite sure what baptism is all about. And I want to talk to those of you who have placed your faith in Jesus, but you haven't been baptized yet. And so first of all, let's try to answer the question, what is baptism all about? What is baptism all about? Why do followers of Jesus get dunked in water and raised back up? What is up with that? Well, in order to really truly understand what baptism is all about, we have to go back through the entire biblical narrative and see what God is doing with water. And, and listen, this is a topic that you could write books about, and I am sure people have written books about it, but we're going to talk about it for like five minutes, okay? All right? First of all, let's start in the beginning. In the very beginning in Genesis 1, what we see in that ancient story is God's spirit is hovering over the waters. Literally in the Hebrew, it says, the waters of wild and waste. Tohu vavohu. You want to try to say that with me real quick, that, that Hebrew phrase? Say it with me. Tohu vavohu. Kind of fun to say, right? So in, in Genesis 1, the, the spirit of God is hovering over these waters of wild and waste. And these chaotic waters, according to this ancient story, make human flourishing impossible. And so what we see in the beginning is God separates the water from dry land and makes human flourishing possible. And humans flourish but not for very long, a couple chapters later in Genesis 3, we see that human beings reintroduce chaos into the world. And what we see from this point forward in the biblical narrative is a replaying time and time again of God separating the waters. 
But instead of separating the waters in order to create order, what we see from this point forward is God separating the waters, listen, this is really important, to rescue and to save. That's what we see in the biblical narrative from Genesis 3 onward is this idea, this pattern, this picture, this symbol, this motif, so to speak, of God separating the waters in order to rescue and save. And so in essence, listen, what started as a display of God's purpose became a pattern of God's salvation. What started as a uh, a picture of, of God's purpose becomes a pattern of God's salvation. We see this repeated throughout scriptures. In fact, we see this pattern first show up in Genesis 6 with a guy named Noah. With a guy named Noah. And listen, at this point in the human story, chaos has absolutely overrun society. And, and in an act of sort of decreation, so to speak, God chooses to flood the earth to start over again. But he finds one man whom he sets his grace upon, this Noah. He saves him and his family to, to, separate, uh, to um, in essence, saves them through the waters to start a humanity 2.0, so to speak, a new creation. We, we, we see this pattern again in the story of Exodus with a guy named Moses who in his like personal life story is literally saved through the waters in that little basket. It's actually an ark in Hebrew. And God chooses Moses, though, later on to lead his people out of bondage and slavery, again, through the waters of the Red Sea onto dry land to reestablish God's people in order that they would be a source of salvation to all the nations. We see the pattern again 40 years after the exodus, after the Israelites have wandered the desert, when God finally is going to bring them out of the wilderness into the promised land through a leader this time named Joshua, which in the Hebrew is Yeshua. But this time he leads them through the Jordan River onto dry land, leading them through the waters to salvation. We see this pattern repeated again in the prophets time and time again, but we only have time to look at one of them, this guy named Isaiah. And, and, and in Isaiah, he uses this metaphor of life emerging out of the waters. And in his writings, he calls them the waters of wild and waste, alluding again back to that story in Genesis to describe how God will save his people. And then he says this, this is really interesting, to save his people who were floating around in exile. He's going to save them out of exile. Again, he writes, through the waters of exile, through the waters of exile to reestablish them as his people. But this time it's going to be different. Isaiah prophesies about a time where it's not going to be some regular leader like Noah or Moses or Joshua. This time it's going to be the promised Messiah. The Messiah is going to come and lead his people through the waters and they will sing, according to Isaiah, a new song of salvation. Now fast forward hundreds of years. Now we have a guy on the scene. His name is John, right? He doesn't get a cool name like Moses or Noah or Isaiah. It's just John, right? And John shows up on the scene and John, what he's doing is this guy is talking about the coming Messiah. He's calling Israel to repentance. And what else is he doing? He's baptizing. This is John the Baptist. He's baptizing people. And it's important to note that he's baptizing God's people where? In the Jordan River. 
the river his people have already crossed through, the same river they crossed under the leader of Joshua to enter into the promised land. In essence, he's having God's people pass through the waters to renew their commitment to God. And while he's doing this, lo and behold, who shows up on the scene? Jesus, which in the Hebrew is Yeshua. And he shows up, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Messiah that Isaiah talks about. And when John was talking about it, he was quoting Isaiah. And if we had more time this morning, we would be able to unpack all the different ways the gospel writers weave in the stories of creation and Noah and Moses and Joshua and the prophets to show how God's saving work ultimately culminates in and through the life and death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because it's through this Jesus that God rescues the world once and for all. And not just from the chaotic waters of the sea, but but from the chaos and the evil and the sin and the violence of this world by going into the waters of death and coming out the other side as the resurrected Lord and Savior of the universe. And this is why baptism is such a big deal for followers of Jesus Christ. Because it's through baptism, again, hear this, it's through the waters that believers submerge themselves in the bigger story of God. It's through baptism where followers of Jesus identify themselves with Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection. The old self is crucified with Christ into the waters, and the new self is raised again, identified with the resurrection of Jesus Christ unto new life. And so, to answer that first question, what is baptism all about? That's what baptism is all about. Simply put, Baptism is the believer's public declaration of faith in Jesus and their identification with his death, burial, and resurrection. That's what baptism is. Baptism is the believer's public declaration of faith in Jesus and their identification with his death, burial, and resurrection. And so with that question answered, I now want to talk to that second group of people. Those of you here today who have placed your faith in that Jesus and you've not yet been baptized. Throughout the Gospels, in the book of Acts, throughout the New Testament, what we see is that when people respond to the preaching of the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God, after they repent of their sins and place faith in Jesus Christ, they are immediately baptized. And so if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you should be baptized as well. And you don't have to have a full, comprehensive, biblical, theological understanding of what baptism is in the entire Bible. Listen, the only thing that needs to be true about you is that you've placed your faith in Jesus. That's all that needs to be true about you. Now, some of you might ask this question, but what if I was baptized as a baby? What if I was baptized as a baby? And to that, I want to say this. I am so thankful that your parents, your mom, your dad, whoever it was, decided to do that for you and wanted to raise you in the faith. That is an amazing thing. That is a good thing. That is not a bad thing. But I want to say this. That is not this thing. That is not this thing. Because we believe here at Arbor that baptism is a public declaration of your faith 
and your commitment to Jesus Christ. And so what we would say this morning is that if that's your story, we would commit, we would um, encourage you to be baptized once more if your first baptism wasn't the result of your faith. And you, you might say, well, well, well is, is this such an important thing because baptism changes my status here at this church or, or baptism saves me? The answer to both of those questions is, is no, absolutely not. You're not a second-class Christian if you haven't been baptized yet here at Arbor. Baptism doesn't save you. But listen, we here at Arbor, we believe that saved people get baptized. That's what we believe. Saved people get baptized because baptism is this outward expression of an inward transformation. Throughout Scripture, the order is repentance and belief and then baptism. That's what we see. In fact, throughout the scriptures, like I mentioned earlier, baptism is so closely related to the act of faith that they're often mentioned in the very same breath. And that's because for Christians, one of our very, listen, one of our very first steps of obedience, if not our very first step of obedience as followers of Jesus Christ, should be the decision to get baptized. We see it throughout the scriptures. I'll show it to you right now, okay? Acts 2.41, so those that received his word, they were baptized. Acts 8.12, but when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Acts 16.14, the Lord opened her heart, speaking of Lydia, to pay attention to what was being said by Paul, and after, she was baptized. Acts 18.8, and many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed, and they were baptized. The call of the church is to preach the good news of the kingdom of God, to go out into the nations and to make disciples, and then to do what? To baptize. We are called to baptize. We are commanded by Jesus Christ to baptize. It is a command from Jesus, our Lord, and, our Lord and King. The only question that remains is, will you do it? Will you be baptized? And some of you might like say, are, are you literally asking me to get baptized right now? Is that what you're asking? Yes. Yes, that is exactly what I'm asking you right now to get baptized. And you might be like, well, I've got questions and I, 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 I got to think about this and I, I, I need to pray. Listen, Brian Cobley, our family ministries director, and Scott Hetherington, one of our elders, they're going to be out in the lobby to answer any questions you might have, to, to, to walk you through what this is, to pray with you. They're going to be there for you. And you might be like, well, I didn't bring any change of clothes or a towel or anything. Not a problem. We've got shirts. We've got shorts. We bought a bunch of underwear. We've got it all, okay? <laughs> We've got towels. We've got everything you could possibly need. A total change of clothes. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, if he's your savior, if he's your king, he calls you to be baptized. Will you listen to him today? And so here's what we're gonna do now. The band's up here. They're going to lead us in one more song. Darcy, one of our elders, is going to make her way to the back of the room to receive those of you who, if God's spirit is prompting your heart right now and you're like, you know what, this is the decision I have to make right now. 
I've been a follower of Jesus for so long and I haven't made this decision to get baptized. She's going to be there to receive you. She's going to direct you where to go. There are people there that are going to be able to answer questions and, and walk you through this process and pray with you. And so as the band begins to play this last song, what you're going to do, we're going to stand in just a moment. And if this is the decision you need to make today, you can make your way back there. Talk with someone. Pray with someone. Change into your clothes and be baptized. It's not complicated. It's just obedience. Let's pray. Father, I am so grateful for your faithfulness to us. I'm so grateful for your son, Jesus. I'm grateful that time and time again, although we run toward chaos, Lord, you bring us back and through the waters you have made a way. You have made a way back to yourself. And so this morning, Lord, we celebrate with so many who are making this decision to be baptized. We rejoice with them. And we could sense from the very beginning of this morning, God, the opposition that we faced from the enemy to make this service happen, Lord, but, but you are faithful. And nothing is going to stop these individuals from taking this step of obedience. Lord, I pray for those in the room today who are wrestling with this question, should I get baptized today? God, I pray that you'd give them clarity and peace about their decision. I pray that as we stand and sing in just a moment, Lord, that you would propel them with courage and boldness to make their way to the lobby and to be baptized today. Would you still their hearts? Would you settle them knowing that they are making the decision you long for them to make? We pray this all in your son's name. Amen.